Deuteronomy chapter 32. Um, we're going to read a lengthy passage in Deuteronomy and then read a decent-sized passage from the book of Psalms. But uh, let me have you stand with me in reverence to the Word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 32, and we're going to begin with verse number 9. Deuteronomy in chapter 32. Verse number 9, the Bible says, For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in a waste, howling wilderness. He led him about, he instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. He made him ride on the high places of the earth, that he might eat the increase of the fields, and he made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. Butter of kine and milk of sheep, with fat of lambs and rams of the breed of Bashan, and goats with the fat of kidneys of wheat, and thou didst drink the pure blood of the grape. But Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked. Thou art waxen fat, thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God, which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation." They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods. With abominations provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God, to gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Verse 18, of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful, and hast forgotten God that formed thee. And when the Lord saw it, he abhorred them. Because of the provoking of his sons and of his daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are a very froward generation, children in whom is no faith. Let's pray. Father, I come to you this morning, and Father, I ask you for your help. Lord, I pray that you'd enable me, Lord, uh, feeble uh, strength, feeble lips. Lord, I, I am not fit to stand behind this pulpit other than the fact that you make me whole. And Father, I pray that today, Lord, you'd give me what I need. And Father, I pray that you'd give the people that are underneath the sound of my voice what they need. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would touch the hearts of these people, your people. Father, I pray that if there is a person in this room today or people that are in this room today that are without a Savior, Father, if they don't know for sure heaven's their home, if they... If they don't know, as we sang a couple moments ago, that, 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 that it's, hallelujah, it's done. Lord, if they've not taken care of that, made that conscious decision to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, I pray that today they do that. And Father, I do ask you for your children. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be made tender and would be made open to what your word has for us today. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In Deuteronomy, in chapter 32, if you'd like to take your Bibles over to Psalm in chapter 9. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, and the reason I started here this morning, this, this is a passage that is written to the nation of Israel. It's a sad testimony, a prophecy of what the nation would become. Israel, as a young nation, had no other gods before them. They had no strange gods. They followed Jehovah, 
And God blessed them for that. God honored them. And he lifted them up. He took their feet and set it upon a solid rock and established their goings. But we see in the passage here that verse 15, it says that they lightly esteemed the rock of their salvation. And my friend, I'm going to tell you this this morning. Number one, you need to be born again. Okay, you must be born again. Jesus Christ, his own words, you must be born again. If you're in here and you do not know for sure that heaven's your home because the Bible tells you so and I, I, get, I get weary hearing, well, well I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to heaven. Brother, does the Bible tell you? If the Bible doesn't tell you, you don't know. All right, I'm just going just, to, let's, let's just get all the games and gimmicks out of the way. Let's, let's cut to the chase. If you don't know because the Bible tells you, you don't know. And if you don't know, you aren't going. Okay, let's just call it what it is. Let's just, let's put the truth out right on the, right on the lowest shelf. You got to know because God's word says so. But I find in so many Christians' lives that, that we lightly esteem the rock of our salvation. And that's what happened in Israel. They, they, got, they got big. They got famous. They got fancy. They got blessed. They had possessions. They had wealth. They had, they had power. And they forgot who had given it to them. In verses 17, it's a sad verse. The Bible says they sacrificed unto strange gods. In fact, they, they sacrificed unto the newly formed gods that their fathers had not known. In verse 18, and I need you to look at this, it says, Of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful, and hast forgotten God that formed thee. When the nation of Israel forgot God, God took his hand off of them and he said, I will watch as you fail. In verse 20, he said, I will hide my face from them and I will see what their end shall be. For they are a very, very froward or rebellious generation, children in whom is no faith. Now I understand the United States of America is not Israel. Never will be. We are not God's chosen people. But we are born again Christians by our faith in Jesus Christ. And the Bible teaches that we've been grafted into the tree. Now I do want you to understand that. Now if you've got your Bibles, go with me to Psalm in chapter 9. Now you need to see this. You need to understand. Now Deuteronomy 32 is written to Israel. It's written to the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But in Psalm in chapter number 9, we have a passage that is not primarily or expressly written only to the nation of Israel. In Psalm in chapter 9, we'll pick up with verse 15. The Bible says the heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made. And, and folks, I'm going to tell you this this morning. Understand something. I, I, I grow weary of people saying, well, well why, does it, why is God doing this to me? God isn't doing anything to you. You're just living in the pit that you made. You do see that in verse 15. It says, In the net which they hid is their own foot taken. Verse 16, The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. Haggaion, Selah. God, Selah means think about it for a minute. Verse 17, it says, The wicked shall be turned into hell and, what does it say? All the nations that what? Forget God. In Deuteronomy in chapter 32, we saw that when Israel forgot 
their God, God lifted his hand off of that nation and said, I will watch what your end will be. And in Solomon chapter 9 and verse 17, the Bible says all nations will be turned into hell that forget God. Verse 18, for the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the heathen be judged in thy sight. Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. Selah. Or put that in your pipe and smoke it. Amen? This morning's message is a hard message for me to preach. I consider myself to be a pretty easygoing individual most of the time. Amen? I don't like contention. I don't like. I, I don't mind a good debate. Sean Schilling and I were talking about things yesterday, and we were we we have fun. We debate things and argue with one another. But I don't mind a good debate. I don't. I'm not. I'm not particularly fond of real bone to bone contention. I, I don't. I don't like it when that happens. And this morning's message, I'm going to be very honest with you, is a message that is going to bring some contention. Now, it's not intended to do so, and that's not the reason it's being preached. It's being preached because God laid it on my heart. And the Bible says in the book of Jude to contend for the faith. Brother Leo, why don't you drop the screen for me and put the first slide up there for me, if you will. The title of this morning's message comes from the Charles Dickens classic, A Christmas Carol. I don't know if you've ever read it, seen it, whatever. But in that, a couple times in that book, you'll find a little boy by the name of Tiny Tim. You familiar with that? He makes this prayer during the middle of the story, and at the end of the, the book, he makes this statement. He says, God bless us, everyone. Today, I believe with all, beyond all shadow of a doubt, that every one of us in here desires the blessings of God in many areas of our life. We pray that God might bless our lives. We may that God might pray that God might bless our, the lives of our children and our grandchildren. We pray that God might bless our marriages and our homes. We sing that wonderful chorus in church from time to time, God bless America, land that I love. And we should. My desire, and I'll be very honest with you this morning, for my life and my home and my country is to see the blessings of God fall fresh on me and on us. If I were to ask you people this morning, if there was anyone in this room that did not want the blessings of God upon them, I don't believe I'd get a single hand raised. I think everybody in here, no matter what your level of Christianity, no matter where you are in your walk with God, one of the things that you desire, and rightfully so, is that God would bless you. It's a good thing to desire. But if I were also to ask another question, that question would be, why in so many cases are we not seeing the blessings of God take place? Why are the lives of Christians as dysfunctional as those of the world? And I'm not speaking about new babes in Christ, but those who think themselves to be mature in the faith. Why is divorce running rampant among Christianity? Why is our nation on the decline into apostasy 
and to denying the faith which we were founded upon? I'll tell you why. The two verses behind me tell us the whole story. We have forgotten God. We have forgotten God. If you underline or highlight things in your Bible, I personally think you ought to underline and highlight Deuteronomy in chapter 32 and verse 18. And I also think you ought to underline Psalm in chapter 9 and verse 17. You see, when God is left behind, the forces of hell kick in. And folks, today we need to understand, God has an answer for all of the problems of mankind. Do you understand that when Jesus Christ came to die and He sacrificed His life on the cross of Calvary, He didn't do that just because God was bored. He didn't do that so He could just be kind of nice to us. He did that because there was a need. Mankind had an eternal need of a Savior. Our condemnation upon us, and rightfully so, was hellfire for all eternity. And God sent His only begotten Son to be born of a virgin, to live a sinless life, to die on a rugged old cross, to rise again three days later so that you and I could have the potential of life in heaven in eternity with God, our Heavenly Father. My friend, God gave so we could have our needs met. But I want to say this this morning. God's Word is not just good for eternity. God's Word is good for today. God's Word is good for what ails us. And I I, I am baffled sometimes at the lives of Christians as we say, I know God's Word is good for forever, but I'm not going to follow it for what's going on in my life right now. Heaven help us. If God can save your soul forever, don't you think God could help work out what's going on today? I do. I believe that with all of my heart. But I also believe that when God is left behind, the forces of hell begin to take over. Number one this morning, we need to remember God in our lives. We need to remember God in our lives. In Luke in chapter 15, we find the story, one of the most entertaining stories in the Bible. A beautiful story. It's the story of what we call the prodigal son. The prodigal son, and you all know the story, but one day he came to his father and he said, Father, give give me what is mine. The father was gracious and loving and kind and generous to a fault. And I'll say, if that's anything, that's our heavenly father. And he looked at his son and he gave him what was not rightfully his. And folks, I hope you understand this morning, not a thing that I have in this life is rightfully mine. Not my money, not my wife, not my children, not the air that I breathe, not the heartbeat of my chest, not one thing in in this life that I have is truly mine. It is all His. But this little prodigal came one day in his pride and his arrogancy, and he said, Dad, give me what is mine. And that father said, Yes, I will. I'll give you the right to choose, which, by the way, every one of us has. And that son, the Bible teaches us, went off into a far country and wasted his substance with riotous living. The day came where all his money was gone. All his friends had left him and forsaken him. And he was left penniless and poor. Again, it sounds a lot like we as individuals before Christ came. But the Bible tells us in Luke and Leo, jump next screen here for me. Luke in chapter 15, 
In verse number 17, the Bible says, And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. The Bible says that the prodigal came to himself. Can I tell you? Let me rephrase that. The prodigal remembered what it was like to be at home. He's sitting there in that hog pen. He's sitting there eating of what the swine had left behind. And the Bible says he finally comes to his senses. He finally remembers what it was like to be a boy in his father's home. And he says, I don't deserve to be called a son anymore. All I deserve to be is a slave or a servant. But he said, quite honestly, they have it better. And friend, can I tell you, the lowest person in the family of God has it 10,000 times better than the highest servant of Satan. Well, I'll be a nobody in Christianity. Brother, being a nobody in Christianity is a whole lot better than being a somebody for hell. But that boy remembered. And you know the story. He went home. And as he was coming up the, the driveway, his father, who had been watching for him, longing for him to come home, he sees his boy and he, he runs down and he greets that son with a hug and he, he grabs him and his son says, Dad, I'm so sorry. I've sinned against God and against you. He said, I'm not worthy to be called thy son. And in verse 21, the father still looks at him and says, boy, he says, shut up. He says, don't say another word. He says, get, 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 get the robe. He said, get the ring, get the shoes, kill the fatted calf, we're going to have a party. He said, my son, which was lost, is found. He said, I thought you were dead, boy. He said, I thought you were gone forever. But he said, you've come home. Praise God. We need to remember God in our lives. Hey, Christian, we have forgotten him in our daily lives. We have become too worldly. In fact, many Christians have lost their saltiness and are no good to God anymore. Christians sadly participate and revel in the things of this world. You say, oh, oh, there's, there's nothing wrong with enjoying the pleasures of this world. In 2 Timothy in chapter 4 and verse number 10, and we'll not take time to go over there this morning, but the Apostle Paul is writing his final words. And in verse 10 he makes this statement. He says, Demoth hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. He didn't say Demas has forsaken me and gone off into adultery. He didn't say Demas has forsaken me and gone off into idol worship. He didn't say Demas has forsaken me and gone off into gross, terrible, wicked sin. He said Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Hey, Christian, friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. And this morning, we need to understand. You see, why isn't, why isn't God blessing my life? We've forgotten God in our life. You see, God has blessed us here in this great land. God has provided for us. We have the, the, the most wonderful things that the world has to offer. I mean, you, you can go down today and go to any restaurant and for a couple bucks get yourself something to eat. In many countries of the world today, you'd have to spend weeks of your hard-earned labor to go to a restaurant and get something to eat. And yet we have it at our beck and call. We have the ability to do anything and everything we want. And yet for many of us, we have forgotten God. Months ago, I was dealing with a young man. And the young man, in my opinion, was making a very poor decision for Christ. 
See, God had given him a place of service. God had given him a place to, 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 to truly buckle down and do something for God. But he said, I'm tired of not making enough money. I've got a better job offer. And I looked at him and I said, I said, you don't choose money over God. I said, if you are serving God, you don't choose finances over that. He said, well, well i got to make more money. And he left for money. See, folks, we have fallen in love with this world and the things of it. Sadly, in many cases, we've allowed vulgarity and promiscuity and perversion into our own homes via the television and the world wide web. We have fallen in love with the pleasures and cares of this world instead of with the things of God. And my friend, this morning, we must remember God in our lives. You say, well, well, Pastor, I, 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 I'm somebody, brother. You better understand something. If you don't have God in your life, God has taken his hand off of you and has said, let's see what comes of your life. Let's see what comes of your home. Let's see what comes of your children. Just, just see. You say you have to have that thing to be happy. Have at it. Oh, if I only had that job, if I only had that money, if I only had that possession, if I only had that place, if I only had that house, then I'd... No, you want. No, you want. No, we must remember God. If I could take many of you on a trip today and go back to when you were young and a babe in Christ... When you first found the blessed promises in the Word of God that a sinner like you could be a saved saint. If I could take you back to when you found out that you could serve the God of gods and the creator of the universe. If I could take you back to that moment and then take you to where you are today and show you where you've forgotten God. My friend, you'd give anything to go back to that point in your life. But the beautiful thing is, is you can you just need to remember God. Remember God. Hey, prodigal, how's that pig food? Hey, prodigal, where's all your friends now? Hey, prodigal, how is it living in that worldly filth? All you got to do is remember. Just remember and go home. And Christian, this morning, could I beg you to remember God in your life? Secondly, we must remember God in our homes. And Leo, if you can change that behind me. Ecclesiastes in chapter 12 and verse 1 it says, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth while the evil days come not nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say I have no pleasure in them. We must remember God in our homes. I gave you Joshua in chapter 24 and verse 15 on the screen here and Joshua looking out at the nation of Israel said choose you this day whom ye will serve. And at the end of the verse, he looks out at that crowd of people that have gathered to hear him speak. And he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We must remember God in our homes. I used Ecclesiastes in chapter 12 and verse 1 because I believe it's important that when our homes are young that we bring God into it. I'm going to brag on Matt and Heather for just a moment. But I'm going to tell you, see, they... They don't come from incredibly Christian families. And they had a lot of pressure on them to bring some godless things into the wedding. And we sat down and we had some conversations. And I, again, I'm only saying this because I'm proud of you. And I appreciate the stand you took. But I said there's not going to be any alcohol at your wedding if it's going to be at the church. I said we don't believe in that. We don't do that. 
And their beliefs back that up, but they had a lot of pressure from mama and daddy and aunt and uncle and cousin this and cousin that. And well, we, we, we want to go to a wedding where it's a party. Brother, I'm going to tell you right now, I am so sick and tired of what the world has made out of one of the most blessed institutions that God ever created. If you go to a stinking wedding to get drunk, you have got rocks for brains. But well, we got to have a dance. No, brother, you are going there to observe what God started in the Garden of Eden. And I'm going to tell you right now, it wasn't a party. It was a commitment that God said, this is very important to me. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the, the worldly rituals we brought in and we've tried to, to demonize what marriage is all about. And brother, I'm tired. I'm sick of it. But I was proud of these young people. And they said, we're going to try to have a godly wedding. And they got a lot of pressure. And I could almost guarantee you there were a few people that didn't come to your wedding because you weren't having a party. So be it. Choose you whom you will serve. You're going to choose the gods of this world. You're going to choose the alcohol. You're going to choose the liquor. You're going to choose the booze. You're going to choose the pornography. You're going to choose the lust. I, nowadays, groomsmen will steal the bride and go out and get her drunk at some weddings. It's, it's, it's almost a ritual for the best man to sleep with the bride the night before the wedding. And it's garbage and it's filth and it's disgusting. And I'm tired of us not remembering God in our homes. Remember him now. In the days of your youth. Start out right. Young people, stop fornicating. I don't care if the world does it. Stop it. Stop it. You don't go into a marriage by fornicating. You say, well, we're in love. No, no, you're in lust. Let's rephrase it. And you're dumber than a box of rocks. That statement's going to come up a couple more times. So just listen, okay? You'll catch it. Now, folks, we got to understand this. We must remember God in our homes. Hey, moms and dads. Please stop teaching your young people that Hollywood is how marriage is and teach them how biblically marriage is. You say, well, well oh, oh, they fell in love overnight. No, they didn't fall in love overnight. They had some hormones kick into gear and they slept together. And yeah, they might have fostered an illegitimate child, but that wasn't love as far as God's concerned. That was an act of filthiness in the eyes of God. You say, but, but, but that's mean. No, no it's true. That's scripture. We must remember God in our homes. Get the filth out. Today, I don't care where your home's at. Maybe you're a single person, unmarried. Maybe you're a single parent. Maybe you're a divorced mom or divorced dad. Maybe it's a husband and a wife today just starting out. Maybe you're a mama and daddy with some kids in the house. Can I tell you, wherever you're at, remember God. Just remember God. You say, I can't go back and correct my mistakes. I know that. I'm not trying to preach at you for that. What I am trying to get you to do right now is to remember God in your home today. See, Joshua didn't say, hey, all you people who've forgotten God, just get out of here. I don't want to preach to you. He looked out at the entire crowd, and he said, choose you today. He said, you have a decision today. You say, Pastor, I'm divorced. My wife left me. My husband left me. I tried to work it out, but they're gone. I can't do anything about it. Then choose you today. You say, I've, I've fallen into some sin. I've made some bad decisions. And choose you today. Remember God now in your home. You see, our homes, the fabric of our society are failing. And they are not failing for any other reason than that we have forgotten God. Men, could I challenge you, if you're a husband and a father, to stand up as Joshua did 
and said, my house will be a house that serves God. Our men have backed off. They've run out the back door of responsibility and said, well, well, I just want to play and have fun. Oh, shut up and grow up. You have a responsibility before God. It doesn't say Joshua's wife said, we'll serve the Lord. If your, honey, if your little wife has to, has to bug you to come to church, fellas, you're not right with God. Whoa, well, but, but pastor, I'm here today. Praise the Lord. And I praise God that you've got a good woman that can motivate you. Need somebody needs a light of fire underneath you. But folks, i got to tell you this morning, it's the men's job. Hey, Dad, it's your responsibility to see your kids are reared and raised for Christ. It's not the daycare's job, and for sure it's not the public education's job. It's your job. And gentlemen, this morning, you and I both need to stand up and say, hey, this is our responsibility. God dumped this thing on my shoulders. He didn't put it on my wife. And I know, guys, we like to say, well, I consider my wife and I equals. God doesn't in this sense. God says, Mr. Sir, you, you're responsible for the direction of your family. He said, your wife, she gets a freebie. Do you understand that? Ladies, I don't know about you, but I'm tickled when I find things in the Bible that say, it's somebody else's problem. I love to pass the buck. Is there anybody else like that? I do. I love to say, here, here's a problem, man. It's all yours. I love the fact that Brother Payne is now working in the school, and my brother is now the principal of the school, and I get to sit back and just be Mr. Nice Guy. Hey, if there's a problem, go talk to Mr. Doll. He's in his office, man. I'll pass that buck as fast as I can. I love it. And ladies, when it comes to the direction of your home, understand something. Your husband's responsible. Now, don't remind him of that every day. Okay, it's not your God-given right to just beat him into the ground. Encourage him, pray for him, help him, lift him up. You are to be his helpmeet. But God looks at us gentlemen and holds us accountable. Some of you guys are scared to say amen because your wife will smack you. We need to remind Mike, your wife's at home today. I know, yeah. Amen. I'm kidding him. Folks, God blessed Joshua because, God, uh, because Joshua honored God. If you want your home to have the holy hand of God upon it, then remember him. Don't wait until your job is lost and your health is gone to remember him. Don't wait until you're in a courtroom arguing over custody of the kids or you're in a hospital room, a hospital waiting room trying to get a hold of God but knowing your prayers won't get through. Remember Him now. Remember God when you're little for little is much when God is in it. And I'm going to tell you this morning, I don't know if God will bless you with much or just stretch your little, but I know if you remember God, He'll honor you. Do you understand? Some people say, well, I'll serve God as long as he gives me much. Why don't you just serve God and let him worry about it? God can take your little and stretch it just like he did for the children of Israel in the wilderness. Do you know for 40 years, the clothes on their back never needed to be replaced? The shoes on their feet never had to be, they never had to go to a stop by Wally World in the wilderness and buy another pair of sandals because their sandals were rotten off their feet for 40 years. And ladies, you don't have a pair of shoes that's lasted for 40 years, Amen. Not even in the far back reaches of the closet. Nothing lasts that long anymore. But God said, I'll take your little and I'll stretch it and make it much. Don't worry about God. God will take care of his end of the deal. We need to remember God in our homes. Lastly, this morning, we must remember God in our nation. And Brother Leo, please jump that to the last screen. We must remember God in our nation. 
Ronald Reagan made a statement as president. He said, if we ever forget we are one nation under God, he said, then we will be a nation gone under. He said, if we ever forget, then we've forgotten God in our nation. Psalm in chapter 33 and verse 12 says, blessed is the nation who's what? Does it say anything about social programs? No. Does it say anything about economic stimulus packages? No. No, it doesn't. Does it say anything about Republicans or Democrats? No. It said, blessed is the nation who's what? God is the Lord. Today I wonder, hey, whose God is America's? What God are we really serving? God bless America. Hey, America, remember God. Hey, I want to see God bless our nation again. Then America, remember God. It's not about who's going to put more money in your pocket. It's about who's going to remember their Lord. You say, oh, pastor, don't preach politics. That makes me nervous. I, I will say this. I, this is my pet peeve. Amen? I'm going to share one with you this morning. But it bothers me. When people say, oh, don't preach politics. Brother, if we're that, we'll get more worked up about politics than we will about truth and lies as far as God's concerned. Oh, politics, don't bring that into the pulpit. I'll tell you this, I'll stop preaching politics when the politicians get off my Christianity. All right? When they butt out of my business, I got no problem. I don't care about the economic packages. I don't. I think if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. That's the Bible. Don't step on my toes, Mr. Politician. You say, well, 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 what if they're not able? Brother, I walked down to Walmart the other day, and I watched a little boy in a wheelchair greet people as they came in the door. You say, well, well I'm not able. You'll find a way if you're hungry, amen? You marry a rich man or a rich woman if you have to, praise God, but you'll find a way to eat. Folks, I'm sorry, but I, I, I get off my Christianity. Mr. Politician, you want me entering your arena? Then you get out of mine. You do what the Constitution told you to do, and the Constitution told you to butt out of the church. I consider myself to be a tolerant man. And I know you look at me this morning and say, you've got to be kidding. But folks, I've been cursed, I've been condemned, and verbally I've been crucified by some, and I've answered hardly a word. But I am sick to death of hearing about, and I'm, about discrimination. Real discrimination, what it actually means is holding something against somebody for something they can't control. Let me say it again. Real discrimination is holding something against somebody for something they cannot control, such as the gender of a person. Do you know that if you're born a man, you're a man? Do you know that you really don't have any control over that? I don't care what kind of operation you have. You're still a man. And if you're born a woman, guess what you are? A woman. I don't think you should discriminate based on the gender. I don't think you should discriminate based on the color of a person's skin. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight, and they are. God isn't worried about the color of a man's skin. By the way, he's, not all, he's also not concerned about their nationality. I don't care if they're German. I don't care if they're, 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 they're from Iran. I don't care if they're from the United States of America. God doesn't discriminate on that. We shouldn't either. But folks, discrimination isn't about choice. Homosexuality is a choice, not a condition. You say, well, well, they're born that way. They have been trying to prove that for the last 20 years and haven't gotten any closer than when they started. You say, well, they were born that way. Hogwash. They were raised that way. 
Our school system, our, our social agenda has taken the minds of our youth and have warped them. I was given a video by one of our ladies in church, and in that video it shows first graders discussing homosexual marriage, right or wrong. What's a first grader got knowing about homosexuality in the first place? Help us. And that's in our public school, by the way. You say, oh, our school system won't do that hogwash. Our so public school system is a, is a Marxist, socialist, and let me say this, godless institution. Abortion is a choice. It's not a problem. It's not an inconvenience. It's amazing to me how our president can call biblical marriage discrimination. It bothers me. It does. By the way, a few months ago, he finally had to come public on that. He had been able to avoid that for years. He finally got his feet put to the fire, and he came out and said, well, my views have evolved. No, mister, your views came to public light. But it's amazing how Mr. Obama can call biblical marriage discrimination, and yet the killing of an innocent child is a choice. If anybody is being discriminated against, it's the unborn child. I was tempted this morning to have Mike and Jenny Hager bring in little Marlon. It is Marlon, isn't it? I always want to call him Marlon. Marlon. And bring little Marlon up here. And I wanted to introduce you to little Marlon. I'm going to tell you something about little Marlon. Marlon is a little person. He sleeps, he eats, he fills his diaper, and he's a little person. Can I tell you that little Marlon cannot speak for himself? He can scream, but he cannot speak. Little Marlon cannot get up and go to the restroom on his own. Little Marlon cannot go to the refrigerator and get out the food and feed himself. He is a helpless, innocent child. But he is a person. And I am amazed at how our socialistic agenda and how our liberal politicians can say, well, well we believe in pro-choice. No, sir, you believe in murder. Just call it what it is. Just let's be all. And, folks, I'm sorry today, and if I'm offending someone, so be it. It's not my intention. But I am fed up of watching our nation forget God. God believes in the sanctity of life. He calls the killing or the taking and destroying of innocent children and calls it an abomination in Proverbs chapter 6. An abomination to God is the strongest word for hate in the biblical language. It means God despises it above all else. And I am weary of a nation. And by the way, I, I've talked to people and they say, well, you know, I, I, I'm able to look past that. Really? How do you look past taking a little child and killing him? Mr. Obama, when he was a senator in Illinois, he voted for legislation that you could abort the baby as it was coming out of the mother's womb. I was in the delivery room for all three of my children, and you've heard the stories. I didn't want to be there, all right? I'm a daddy that likes to be in the waiting room, but my wife said, you help make it, you're going to be there when it comes, amen? <laughs> and I went into that delivery room, and that childbirth is a miracle. I ain't a beautiful miracle, okay? These people that say, oh, childbirth is beautiful, you're... <laughs> You're weird, okay? Just God love you. But it is a miracle when that little one comes into the world. And for somebody to say, oh, they're a nuisance. Brother, you're a nuisance. And for you to take that child's life and to extinguish it and say, well, well, they weren't a person. You're either an idiot or you have believed the lies of the devil. Probably both. Talk to people, and God love them. I'm not mad at them. But say, well, well, he'll put more money in the middle class's pocket. 
I'd rather be a beggar than vote for a man who hates this book. I would. You say, well, I can get past that. I can't because God can't. You say, well, no politician's perfect. <laughs> I know that. I'm not real excited about any of the politicians I vote for anymore. I'm not going to lie to you. There hadn't been a fella on the ticket, presidential, senator, House of Representatives in the last couple decades that I've looked at and said, oh, boy, I get to vote for this guy. I'm not lying to you this morning. But I am sick and I am fed up of watching us as Christians forget God in our nation. We say, well, well I, we'll just leave it in God's hands. God didn't do that. He left it in ours. God said, you have a responsibility, Mr. Citizen. You have a responsibility to obey the laws of your land. And the laws of your land give you the right and the privilege to vote. Long time ago, folks, I learned in personal responsibility. When God delegates things to you, and by the way, he does. We, we, we talked about it last Sunday night. The Bible says in Psalms that children are in heritage of the Lord. Do you know that God gave you your kids to raise for him? He delegated that responsibility to you. You say, oh, they're in God's hands. No, they're in your hands. God gave them to you to raise and nurture in the admonition of the Lord. Ephesians in chapter 6. And yet I'm amazed that Christians, as we walk away from things and we put our fingers in our ears, and we say, well, I'm just going to do what's best for my pocketbook. Heaven help us. If you do what's best for your pocketbook, perceived or not perceived, and you ignore the issues of the day, we're missing out and we're forgetting God. Hey, Christian, remember God in your nation. Our problems aren't financial. Our problems aren't social. Our problems aren't economical. Our problems are spiritual. It's time we as Christians got up and said, forget you to the world. And said, God, I remember you. Hey, God, I'll remember you. Folks, you don't think God can't work this mess, this economic mess out? Really? Do you think that's hard for God? I mean, honestly, are, is, are God's hands tied? Is our God too far away? Is God not able to bless America once again? Is God not able to bless your home? Is God not able to bless your life? You know the answer to it. Oh, no, God can do anything. Then why don't we remember God? Pastor, you know, you don't understand. I, I, I'm this, and you know, I'm a single parent. I, I'm doing everything to make ends meet. Brother, I could introduce you to little widow ladies in the Bible who are doing the same thing, and God took care of them. If he was God then, don't you think he's God today? But Pastor, it, it's hard, man. I, I, my marriage, it's difficult. Then why don't you give it to God Today. Today, stop, stop, stop hedging around and, and trying to find some worldly way to fix it. There is no worldly way to fix your marriage. I'm just going to tell you right now. You need God in that thing. Tiny Tim said, God bless us, everyone. This morning, I want God's blessings. Do you? You say, well, well Pastor, I mean, this is, you're giving me a lot to think about. I, I probably have for some of you. But do you want God's blessings? See, Brother Leo, thank you. That first screen, Brother, pop that back up for me, please. It says, all the nations that forget God will be turned into hell. Do you see it? It says, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. 
You see, all oh, that, that, that nation of Israel, they, they forsook their God. Hey, what do you think we've done? We got quotes on the wall of our founding forefathers. They said they believed that we were a nation founded upon the principles that are biblical and godly in nature. I could go through and I could give you story after story after story about our founding forefathers and what they believed and how they believed and for how long they believed it till they died. And we've stepped off our foundation and if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Hey, this morning, Christian, could I beg you to remember God? You say, Pastor, church isn't like it used to be for me. Then remember God. I've had people say, well, your preaching doesn't touch my heart anymore. Brother, I'm going to tell you this. The problem in the preacher, if the word of God is being preached and it doesn't touch your heart, it's you. I'm not, and I'm not being angry at you. I'm not. I'm just telling you the truth. That book should always touch your heart. We must remember God in our lives. Secondly, we must remember God in our homes. You say, well, it's just me, myself, and I. Then remember God. In your home. And lastly, we must remember God in our nation. Hey, folks, I don't know how much longer the United States of America has got. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, God said, hey, I'll sit back and watch you. Go ahead. Go ahead. He took his hand off of Israel. If he took off his hand off of Israel, his chosen people, the Bible teaches us God is no respecter of persons. If God will take his hand off of Israel, he'll take his hand off of us. Now, folks, this morning, I'm begging you, and I've gone long, and I've taken a little bit more of your time than normal, but this is something God laid on my heart. God bless us, everyone. And remember God. Then remember God. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. Hey, this morning, I touched on it at the beginning of the message, but can I ask you this right now? Are you born again? Do you know for sure that heaven is your home because God told you so in his word? You say, well, I feel I am. That's not enough. You have to know. My friend, if you're here today and the Holy Spirit is pricking your heart about your salvation, would you please during the invitation come forward and I'll have someone who knows the Bible show you. And Christian, could I challenge you today? remember God to remember God folks if we want God to bless us if we want God to bless our homes if we want God to bless our nation we got to remember him you say well that's that's hard those are difficult decisions the right ones always are make them for him let's go ahead and have the instruments begin to play if the Lord's laid something on your heart you come to the altar Christian, have you forgotten God?
You say, well, I'm still sort of trying, but my life's become too busy. Then you've forgotten him. Folks, thank you for being patient with, with me this morning. I have been very hesitant to say things politically. I just, I, I, I get weary of it. I do. But I don't know how we cannot as Christians, in this day and age, folks, we got to take a stand now or we're going to be running. My kids, I got a 10-year-old boy. If things continue on this course, folks, he's not going to grow up in a nation that even has any biblical moorings whatsoever. We, we've insulated and tried to put ourselves in a vacuum and pretend that as long as my immediate world is okay, everything's all right. Could you please wake up and understand that's not biblical? We have a responsibility in our lives to remember God, in our homes to remember God, and in our nation to remember God. Please, just, I beg of you, remember God. Remember God. Because if we don't, the wicked shall be turned into hell to all the nations that forget God. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see my home destroyed. I don't want to see my life destroyed. I don't want to see my country go down. I want to see God bless us, everyone. Let's be dismissed with a word of prayer. Brother Leopard, you pray.